Uh, we greet each and every one of you in the wonderful and matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My, my name is Pastor Thomas Rich. This is the Monday Night Bible Study for the River of Life Christian Center in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And uh, family, as we get started tonight, we're going to be continuing teaching on the names of Jesus Christ. I don't know if, if you've ever stopped and thought about all the names of Jesus that you know. We've taught probably 60 or 70 names already. And for as many as we have taught, there are many more than that that remain to be taught. And we're going to continue our teaching uh, from Isaiah chapter 6. Many of you know him as God, you know him as Lord, you know him as Savior, you know him as Heavenly Father, but I wonder how many have considered and proclaimed him as the branch, the grain of wheat, the bridegroom, or the lion of the tribe of Judah. We've covered all of those names, but uh, what I've come to learn across the years is that the average person who knows the name of Jesus probably know somewhere between three, four, maybe up to 10 names. And we've covered at least 60 so far. And we've got another five tonight that we're going to look at. Don't know if we'll get through all five of them, but our scripture text for tonight's lesson is Isaiah chapter six. I'm going to be reading that to you from the King James Version. Then we're going to pray and launch into now, we've been in uh, Isaiah 9 and 6 for three weeks, and so I'm not going to go all the way back to the beginning. I'm going to pick up where we left off tonight, and uh, left off last week tonight so that we can continue. But if you would, Isaiah 9 and 6 from the King James Bible, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, for it is a, a, a joy, an honor, a privilege that uh, you have called upon us to get to know you in intimate ways far beyond uh, the, the name that we most commonly know you as. Your name branches in so many different directions and covers so many of our needs. It builds and it encourages, it strengthens, and it gives us a sense of identity, purpose, and vision. And so tonight, God, as we go forth in the teaching of your word, uh, God, my tongue, my heart, my spirit, so that everything that I say will be directly from you. It will meet the need of your people. And when we're done, none of us will leave tonight the same as we came. God, we bless, honor, and thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So as I said, this is our third teaching from Isaiah 9 and 6. So I'm going to pick up uh, I'm, I'll probably drop back just a couple of uh, paragraphs from where we left off last week. I think last week I was sharing with you that in our culture, it seems strange for us that when we give birth to a child, 
that the life and character of that child would be forecasted or prophesied by our parent in the name that we give to our children. Uh, I, I thought it was very interesting that uh, Sister Marissa mentioned that her sister's name is a name that's common in my family. And, and names take on special meaning and purposes depending upon what culture you're from, uh, what your religious experience or background might be, or it could be just a name that you made up and it may not have any particular meaning to you, but we want to be clear as we launch into our teaching tonight that that is absolutely not the case with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There are over 300 names that I have counted for the, name, for the Lord Jesus, and every one of them has a specific design and purpose. And if we become intimate with those names, it changes our relationship with Him, our ability to see who we are, whose we are, and why we are. In fact, uh, continuing to talk about our Western culture, um, uh, the biblical custom it, that of giving names as we spoke of in previous weeks where that name was a reflection of uh, a family's expectation for that child. It was a prophetic uh, speaking and naming of a child that said, I expect this child will grow into becoming this and they will fulfill this assignment, this purpose, this mission. That was the cultural expectation in biblical times most often when a child was named. Today, if you give a child a biblical name, it's really regarded in an unsympathetic manner. In fact, uh, I have a cousin who named his son Nehemiah, and my cousin caught a lot of criticism for naming his son Nehemiah. People saying, you know, that's such an old name, and uh, it will mark him for the rest of his life, and it really won't give him uh, an opportunity to blend into society. When we named our middle son Kwame, we heard the same thing from family members. They, they, they were saying, why would you give that child an African name? But let me tell you a little secret. I used to have an African name when I was in college. My name was Dahomey Chanua Lumumba, and it was purposeful. It was meaningful that the our, the name Dahomey was after the great Dahomey Empire. Many of you probably never heard of it because that that name doesn't exist as a nation any longer. But it was from the part of Africa that is commonly known presently as Benin. And believe it or not, I just discovered this. Uh, although I called myself Dahomey, uh, I, when I went through my... Um, uh, Looking through my ancestor tree, I discovered, what do you call that? The DNA. I discovered that a lot of my background comes from that part of Africa that is known as Benin. I did not know that when I called myself Dahomey, but I was so impressed by the empire of Dahomey that, and the history and tradition that was there that I adopted that as my first name when I was in college. My middle name in college was Chanua, which was after a writer who had become really well-known. Many of you, especially if you're younger than I am, in high school and in college, you probably read books written by Chanua Achebe. 
And uh, the book that he was most commonly famous for was Things Fall Apart. And I'm sure many of you probably had to read that book in school because it became a, a common book in high school and in college. Uh, Lumumba was the, the person who led the first African nation to independence. And so that was my mindset in college. Now that I'm uh, beyond my college years, if I were looking to rename myself, I would be going to what I, we named our youngest son, Joshua, which was a derivative, or Jesus is a derivative of the name Joshua. Uh, it, it meant the Lord saves. And, and so names, family, are important. And, and, and as we continue looking into these names, I just want to drop back into the Old Testament just a bit to help you to see the, the cultural uh, importance of a name in the Hebrew tradition. There, were the, there was a brother by the name of Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham. Most of you know that that name Abraham meant the father of the multitudes or the father of many nations. God was giving him a name that was a reflection of who he was to become. God was going to name a whole tribe of people after Abraham. And he told him, he said that your seed will be so great that you will not be able to number it. The the grains of the sand on the seashore will be will not be as great as your seed. The stars in the heavens, you will not be able to number them. That was Abraham. Uh, Abraham's wife's name was Sarah. But before she was named Sarah, she was Sarah. And <clears throat> then later, <clears throat> after Abraham was renamed, her name was also changed to Sarah. S-A-R-A-H. Uh, Sarah has multiple background uh backgrounds for that name in arabic uh the name sarah translates into the name joy and delightful uh but it was also in the hebrew and in the christian old testament tradition as well as now catch this this is very i thought very interesting but sarah was important also in the islamic quran and in uh the Hebrew tradition and the Christian tradition, and even in the Islamic tradition, Sarah means woman of high rank, or it might be translated as princess. And I'm, I'm giving that background because many of us in Western tradition do not really think a lot about why we give names. We pick a name that we like. We've heard somebody else say it, or we've made up names. But uh, in our biblical tradition, names were very critical, and they often related to the expectation. In fact, the family was sort of prophesying uh, who they thought that child would be, what that child would grow into becoming. Uh, when that child grew up, that family was continually sowing seeds of information into that child, talking about who he or she was going to become as they grew up. I know growing up in, in, in my own life, in the church that I grew up in, the elderly folk in the church would look at us young kids 
and they would say to us, a boy or a girl, when you grow up, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. And they would speak it, but it wasn't necessarily the name that we had, but they would speak into us or uh, who they thought we were going to become. And believe it or not, growing up as a child, I heard time and time again that I would probably grow up and become a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I can't tell you how much those folks speaking that into my my life might have impacted it, but I do believe that God was speaking into them because all my life I kind of had a sense of the fact that God was had called me out with an assignment to share the good news of the gospel. But names are important. And uh, another evidence of that is in our Lord Jesus Christ at his birth. In Matthew one twenty one. You, you might remember that the, the um, angel Gabriel said to Jesus' mother Mary, and he said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for it is he that shall save his people. I mentioned earlier that Jesus comes out of the name Joshua, which meant Savior, or he that saves. And, and, and so in the Hebrew tradition, Jesus is often referred to as uh, Yeshua, um, meaning again, Jesus or he who saves. And, and, and this is evidence that the giving of a character name represented the parents' purpose and their allegiance in raising and training that child so that he or she would become what they were forecasting or prophesying in that name. Uh, when they're raising that child, they're, they're saying, I'm committed to helping this name to be manifested in this child. Listen, I, I was listening to the news the other day, and, and uh, there had been some murders right here in, in the D.C. area. This was a couple of months back. And two of the young men that were arrested uh one was named Elijah, and the other was named Christian. And immediately upon hearing their names, uh, the thought that crossed my mind was that when these young men were born, their family had expectations of them. I mean, to be named Elijah, there, there was there's so much power in that name, and I believe the family did expect it. But Guess what? We know that in our faith that God has given us also free will. That although uh, you might name someone with a, an, a prophetic expectation of who he or she might become, every one of us gets to make a choice. When that parent named that child Christian, I doubt very seriously if the parents of those two young men ever thought that one day they would be what we would consider criminals on the street, uh, murdering someone. But one of the things that we know is that many times if you're not speaking life into someone, if you're not speaking identity into someone, if you're not speaking purpose into them, it is so easy for the enemy to get in and to corrupt and pervert uh, the intention that God might have had for each of those young men. So uh, we, we pray for them because we don't know what uh, their divine purpose might have been. 
But there's no doubt in my mind that if we're not careful and intentional in the way that we approach the people in our lives, whether it's our children, our spouses, our friends, dear loved ones, if we don't focus on speaking life into them, I'm talking about the the life from the Word of God, that we miss an opportunity to help someone to grow into the identity, the manifested purpose that God might have for their life. So in this context, a child's name, uh, and I'm speaking in the Old Testament context, uh, became both a prayer and a type of a consecration. That is seeing that the child grow into the realization of that prayer or even of that consecrated character expectation that the parent might have had for that child. Uh, Listen, in a name, there can be great honor or dishonor. It can be attached to either way. And the Old Testament writings uh, contain many and varied examples of both honor and dishonor connected to a name. Sometimes, Contempt for certain reprobate men would be indicated by a name change. In the Old Testament, there was a a man whose name was changed to Eshbal. uh, And and what that meant was that he was uh, a man of Baal. And of course, we know that Baal was represented idols. It represented a a fertility idol. And, And someone changed this man's name to Eshbal meaning that he was being named after this idol named Baal. There was another man whose name was Ishbosheth. Uh, that name actually meant, and you find that in Second Samuel 2 and 8, that name really meant man of shame. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, you will see positive names. You will see names that are not so positive. Uh, you will remember, especially in the book of Genesis, when you watch the way that certain of the children were named, mothers often named a child based upon what her birth experience was with the child or what her pregnancy experience was with the child. And sometimes that wasn't good, but that child had to carry that name all the days of his or her life, unless there was an occasion where there was a direct uh, uh, interaction with God whereby God changed his name. You know, Jacob's name meant one who's wrestled, who wrestled. I'm sorry, Jacob's name meant um, um, one who would literally try to uh, steal away what was somebody else's inheritance. When he was born, he was the second born twin, but he was holding on to his brother's heel at birth. And so his parents named him uh, uh, Jacob, which meant supplanter, that his goal was to try to, to, to get out in front of the one who was already prepared to be born as the first one. But later on in scripture, you discover that uh, after he spent, he had stole his brother's birthright and spent many years living in a foreign land. 
and had come to himself to the point where he said that I, I just got to return. I've got to repent. I've got to face my brother head on and, and whatever that will be the outcome. Uh, I deserve it. Even if my brother wants to take me out I, and he was on his journey back to meet his brother. And if you remember, he was asleep one night when he had an encounter with God and uh, he wrestled with the Lord all night long. And if you recall that story, in that story, uh, he, he said to him, the, the angel of the Lord said to him, he said, let me go. Morning time, the daylight is about to appear. And um, he changed the, Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel, which meant one who wrestles with God. So he had an encounter with God and that encounter changed his name from supplanter or Jacob to one who wrestles with God. In fact, if you recall, uh, the whole tribe of that nation that was born after that, you know, he was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and that tribe of people, the Hebrew family was named after Israel because of that encounter that he had with God. Listen, let me let me give you another example, and then we can get back to um, Isaiah chapter 9 in 2 Kings 24 and 17. And I want you to hear this because this is, again, where names are demonstrated as being important. In, in that uh, verse, the name of the last king of Judah was changed by King Nebuchadnezzar from Metaniah. And, and check this out now. The name Metaniah meant gift of Yahweh or gift of God. Uh, but Nebuchadnezzar was about to appoint him as the king of Judah. And as a result of wanting to appoint him as the king of Judah, he consulted with um, uh, Jeremiah, who was like a counselor to him at that time. And he wanted to attach a name to Metaniah that would represent the fact that he was still under the authority of Nebuchadnezzar, and yet that it would represent the manner in which he would rule. So the name was changed from Metaniah to Zedekiah, Z-E-D-E-K-I-A-H, Zedekiah, uh, the whole purpose was to assure his fidelity to Nebuchadnezzar, who was his overlord and who had made him king. And, and the name Zedekiah literally means the Lord is just. Now, why would Nebuchadnezzar want to change the name from gift of God to the Lord is just? And again, you got to remember that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the king who had authority over that land, but they were, he wasn't given authority by God. They had moved in because the people had rebelled against God. And as a result, this foreign empire had authority over the land. That was the place that was to be God's people. And Nebuchadnezzar was simply, by changing his name, was saying, look, I want you to be a just ruler, but I'm not looking for you to be uh to, to be recognized as a gift of God because I don't recognize him myself, but I am asking you to be a just ruler 
over this nation, but you're still under my authority. I am Nebuchadnezzar, the great king, the one who told the three Hebrew boys to bow down to his image. That's who was changing his name from Metaniah to Jedekiah. I hope I'm making sense to your names. In other words, family are important. And, and, and so uh, the whole goal as we were looking in uh, Isaiah chapter 9 is to help you to realize that uh, when we read that verse, that those names were not accidental. They were very intentional, very deliberate. And, and it is coming out of a tradition that is very, very common to the Hebrew folk during that time. So let, let's go back to Isaiah 9 and 6, and we can work through those names again. We left off last week. Uh, we, we were talking about and the government shall be upon his shoulder. That's where we left off. So let's read that verse. And then we're going to go to the next part of the verse. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. We have covered that much of Isaiah 9, 6. Now it says, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So in verse 6 tonight, let's go to the part that says his name. Since the scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament are essentially for the purposes of revelation, and I think I just demonstrated that to you with our introduction tonight, and since the Hebrews place such a strong meaning upon names, I think we can confidently expect them to make the divine name a medium of the revelation of the highest importance. And so when it says, and his name, what he's trying to help us to understand is that a transition is, tra is occurring here. And we're now looking at a, a group of names that are divine names that will be recognized as being of the highest importance. Folk who are accustomed to the long traditions of using names during that time as a part of the significant character indications in their names would naturally give special regard to the names that were associated with God or with him as deity and as being expressive of the nature of God. Uh, an example of that, as we get ready to look at these names, the very phrase, name of Yahweh, which I mentioned earlier, is the equivalent of saying his name as applied in the deity and biblical usage during the Old Testament. And as a result of that, family, it is my opinion, especially interesting and suggestive because it most often expresses in a genuinely comprehensive manner the revelation of God's nature in a name. Let me give you an example of that, and then we can work into the name. Psalm 138, verse 2. Listen to this from the New Living Translation. He says, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name 
for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed up by all the honor of your great name. That's uh, Psalm 138, verse 2 from the New Living. And what are we talking about? We're talking about that name. Psalm 8, verse 1, again from the New Living. Listen to that. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills all the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. What are we talking about, y'all? This is an act of worship connected to his name. He said that your majestic name fills all the earth where men will call upon his name. One more example, Deuteronomy 12, verse 5. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship. He himself will choose from among all the tribes the place where his name will be honored. In other words, y'all, we're using a synonym here of the various attributes of his name. What we saw in those three verses, we saw uh, faithfulness. That's a, We've seen synonyms here. Faithfulness, grace, and honor. And as we looked at those three names, I could give you a couple more scripture references for you to write down when we talk about faithfulness. You might examine Isaiah 48 and 9. When we talk about grace, you might examine Psalm 23 and 3. And when we talk about his honor, you might examine Psalm 79 and 9. In other words, what I'm saying to you is that accordingly, since the name of God stands as a symbol of of God himself, as he is revealed, and as he desires to be known by all of us who are his creation, when it is said that God will make a name for himself by his mighty deeds, or that the new world of the future shall be unto him for a name, we can easily understand that the name of God is often synonymous with the glory of God, and that it expresses for both the name and the glory are combined in the utmost variety of the ways in which we express his name. So I got down in Isaiah 9 and 6 to the part where it says, and his name shall be called. And of course, that is followed with wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father. Uh, I just realized it's uh, just after 8.30. So next week, we will hit Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and then the Prince of Peace. Uh, My prayer is, as I was laying foundation tonight, uh, I wanted you to be clear, and hopefully we've achieved that, that Uh, There are many names connected to Jesus, but it is important that we consider what these names mean. And I was laying foundation for you tonight, looking at the Hebraic tradition of why and how children came upon their names, because those names represented a, a, a forecasting or prophetic statement 
as to who they thought that child was to become. And when we get down to Isaiah 9 and we see wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, we know we're talking about Jesus. When we talk about the Prince of Peace, we know we're talking about Jesus. And in the weeks to come, we are, in fact, I think we have two more weeks this month, and I pray that we will finish verse 6 over these next two weeks. But my prayer is that you understand the value of names. Uh, you might know folk right now that are about to give birth to a child, and I would say to you, you might want to walk up to them and say, don't give that child that name, boy. Be more prayerful. Be more careful. Because sometimes you you can uh, give them good information. But if you're talking to a, a young person or a person that may not be as mature as you are at this stage, uh, or you might have been at that stage of their life, they might just go in the opposite direction just because you speak it. But you can pray and have powerful influence. Remember that God hears your prayers and he responds to your prayers. If they don't respond in the manner in which you pray, still continue to live by faith, recognizing that God is an incredible redeemer. And they might give that child a name that you could you think is the worst name in the world, but you never know how God is able to redeem it. I told you that I have a cousin who married a young man whose family named him Judas. And Lord knows, I, I, that's the only person besides Judas who was one of the disciples with Jesus. Jesus. It's the only other person I know in this life, the 20th century, named Judas. But I want you to know that there were a lot of folk that spoke into that young man's life. And as a result, even though he knows who Judas of the Bible was, the, the things that people spoke into his life helped him to become somebody other than the name that he was given at birth. Names are important. How you handle the name, how you handle the person who has that name, how you speak into their life has tremendous value and importance. So be intentional, be very prayerful, but please understand names are important even when you don't recognize what that name means, it can still have an impact upon someone's life. I'm going to close right there. Uh, next week, as I said, we'll get into Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. But we're going to close right there. And we're going to pray that uh, this has been meaningful and purposeful to you. You can take your phones off of mute. And we definitely want to receive your feedback tonight. So who would like to get us started with what we've covered uh, tonight regarding the names as it relates to Jesus? Who would get us started? 